Hello and welcome to another episode of the Auto Archives podcast. I'm Jack and on this episode I discuss the weird and wonderful world of anime movies with self-taught manga artist, anime enthusiast and longtime friend Anoop Massey who also kindly recorded the fantastic intro themes for this podcast. In our chat we discuss the anime movies and TV that introduced us to the art form, addressing some of the stigmas that surround anime and the age-old question, subbed or dubbed? Then, as always, we each talk through our list of top five favourite movies, along with some honourable mentions and other recommendations. Warning, this does contain spoilers. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Anoop, how Hello. are we doing, mate? Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. Very, very well. Excited to be here. I it's... can't believe I'm here. I'm a little <laughs> bit starstruck, if I'm honest with you. Oh, yeah, right. Nice one. Nice try. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on today. Um, so today's episode, we're going to talk about our top five anime movies. And just as a side note, this is excluding any Studio Ghibli movies, because uh, I know we're planning to do hopefully another episode down the line just covering those um mm. but before we start uh, like i've been asking the other guests as well just want to catch up with you to see if you've been watching any tv or movies recently outside of the anime outside of anime um not a lot to be honest with you um i have been re-watching batman the animated series if uh, nice. did you ever watch that yourself I think on and off as a kid, um, I remember absolutely <clears throat> loving it. And to be honest, I've seen it in shelves in HMV and just want to commit to just buying the full box set because I don't think I, it was very much like I'd watch the odd episode here and there rather than like back to back storyline wise. Or So how was, how was that going so far? It's, um, it's a bit of a retrospective, if, if I'm honest with you. There's things that do hold up really well, uh, which is why I think there's been games made out of it um but uh, yeah i mean it's it's for me animation fan i love it absolutely love it and the, the voice acting in it is in particular is some of the best stuff that you can ever ever hear i think is he Batman. not is he not the same guy who does the games as well is it the same voice kevin actor? conroy yeah kevin yeah. conroy does does most of it there. now it. i think i think they have for some of the games changed that up a little bit uh but yeah most of the the dc movies justice league movies uh animated movies with batman they use kevin conroy and is just fantastic just such an iconic voice right ah just better than uh christian bale's batman oh i went controversial he's gone there already oh (laughs) yeah fair dues fair dues uh i can't say there's much i've watched recently i've started watching on netflix the haunting of bly manor so start that was released on Friday. So I watched the first series, which was Haunting of Hill House, which I absolutely loved. Um, but I'm only two episodes in yet. It's hard to say if it's any good yet. I'm not blown away so far, but we'll see it through. But um, yeah, other movies I'd see. I recently watched, I don't know if you've seen this Korean film called I Saw the Devil, which oh. is this like, oh, how do I, it's kind of like, it's like a cat and mouse serial killer 
film. It's like a revenge film uh, of a serial killer. And he's kind of just, they're trying to one up each other in the sense of uh, like they're catching him and releasing him again. It's kind of a torture for the serial killer, but I won't go into too much of it because it's kind of spoilers, but it's a classic Korean over the top, brutal story, um, which is right on my street. But um, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, right. Okay. Thanks for that. All right. Let's go into what we're here to today. But um, before we go into our actual top five list, I just want to ask yourself, and I'll, I'll say my piece as well, about how we first got into anime. So for me, um, it's a bit of a weird one. I, I think the first sort of proper anime I sat down would have been like the Pokemon TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think at the time I would have said, oh, this is anime. I just kind of was obsessed with the video games at the time, like most kids were when it was released, what, late 90s, early 2000. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when they saw the TV show, I was like, yeah, this is perfect this is right on my street i love this you know the game anyway so the series was just went hand in hand um i don't think i you know properly saw anime movies probably until i was in college so was that 18 19 Mm -hmm. um and i remember watching spirited away at college and i actually at the time knew nothing about studio ghibli or anything like that um but absolutely loved that film and then on the back of that kind of watched some some other films on the back of that, uh, which I won't go into because some of them are in my top five. <laughs> but I think that was my entry level into into anime. And I'll probably say, um, probably recently. So recently I bought this Sight and Sound magazine in, and they did a edition in May where it was like the top 50 essential anime movies to watch. And I was kind of chipping away at that list. And some of the li- ones on my top five today are ones I wouldn't have probably watched unless I'd had this list as a reference. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's quite a exhaustive list taken through like all the way back to sort of World War II propaganda anime movies, which is, or like short films, which is, mm-hmm. which is mad, um, all the way up to like the, the last few years. So it's such a widespread of anime. And that's been my entry point and probably my, how I've really got into anime across all spectrums really. Um, recently hence why i wanted to sort of talk to you because i know you're a big anime fan as well so what was the first sort of films or or tv that that got you into the into anime yeah well i think much like yourself um well it's quite interesting because how long have we known each other now we've well since like, since junior school at least yeah yeah since since we we're very 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 young maybe six yeah. or seven years old and it's only recently i've discovered that you like anime quite a lot as well yes. and, and in yeah. only in the last few years um because during particularly high school i kept it a secret i didn't want anybody to know <laughs> that i was into <laughs> into well, it's, anime. it's weird it does have this stigma doesn't it even now like anime it's quite me, niche it is quite niche but it gets this stigma where it's just for kids and like especially yeah. the stuff on my list then definitely not for kids so yeah i can see why um people would sort of be hesitant to mention it because it does have that stigma unfortunately but sorry go on you were saying well it's it's the same as as yourself kind of pokemon came on the scene and that was huge um particularly for when we were growing up as well the with the anime series coming out um but then there was a there was an anime called dragon ball z Mm -hmm. that came out and i think that had that stigma attached to it where 
this is another Pokemon and this is for kids and why do you like this? This is silly. These are people just shouting and screaming. Hmm. Uh, here's a question for you, though, actually, because um, I'm quite intrigued because Dragon Ball Z is associated with bringing anime over to this part of the world hmm. um, or introducing a lot of people to anime. Um, does If I said to you the name Goku, you would know who that is? Yes, 100%. If, well, actually, if you said that to your wife, would she know who that is? No, not a chance. Yeah, that's so <laughs> weird. That's so weird. I, I, it's um, but she she would know who Pikachu is, right? So, oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, well, that's the know, one so... that's just world renowned, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, and I think with with Dragon Ball Z introducing me to that. Ju- Japanimation and and that mm. style of art. Uh, in my free time, I was just drawing, 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 drawing all the time, just drawing yeah. Dragon Ball Z characters and other anime characters. Um, and I think that was very influential in in bringing just that Japanese animation culture into this part of the world. Um, but you can't take uh, t- you can't also take away the impact computer games have had yes definitely so i know you're a big fan of final fantasy you saw you mentioned pokemon yeah it's anime love yeah exactly it's def it's just got i was gonna say the same style (laughs) but obviously it's not it's you know it's a it's a video game but it's that aesthetic i think it's probably a better word to use that goes hand in hand with anime slash manga as well um but yeah final fantasy is probably another way in for me because it has that that similar vibe and those similar sort of storylines and over the top uh, nature that, that, yeah. that feeds into each other massively. They can easily be switched between the two, I think. Exactly. And, and um, I think that's another thing where you were talking earlier about having that stigma and, and you know, Oh, but it's the cartoon and cartoons are for kids mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, even, even the adults, animes and the movies that we're going to go into as well they do have these these little things that are associated to anime that you just have to understand um we we see it in in um in in emojis for example when we when we have whatsapping with each other or sending messages there are emojis in there and that derives from anime you know or or manga Mm -hmm. you know it's it's the facial expressions and you know the giant uh sweat drop and yeah, exactly. And, uh, the over, yeah, the over exaggerated emotions that are yeah. always prevalent in in anime, just to kind of make the scenes heightened for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is more accepted in, in, now. It, I don't know. It, it always makes me laugh because uh, you know what? That the stigma I remember getting from people was like, "Oh, it's cartoon. It's for kids." But yeah. they generally be the same people that would watch South Park and Family Guy. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. you know, or Simpsons. I mean, just because it's a cartoon and that is yeah. family friendly, mm-hmm. adults still absolutely love it. So I don't know why there is the stigma for, for anime that it's only for kids. Um, but even, but like I said, I won't go into it too much for the top five, but yeah. there are some prime examples in here of why adults should watch some of these films just from a storyline point of view, <laughs> um, if anything else. So um, one thing I was going to quickly ask uh, you was the age-old question: subbed or dubbed? 
<laughs> this is going to divide your audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what? I actually had that written down and I was going to ask you as well, just to put a bit of heat on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, but it's backfired. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you I, th- I think we may have had this conversation before but I I think you know my opinion which is uh, whatever works for you um yeah. that's my opinion you know you do you there for me as a as a working adult I only find time to watch anime at night and when I'm struggling to watch and read subtitles at the same time my eyes are heavy you know sometimes just putting on the the dubbed anime works better yeah. Um and you know in fairness the the um the American studios are very good these days as well. They have been actually for quite a long time. I think think they they get um they get a bit of a hard time. But at, saying that there are some animes like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for example, right. you have to watch that in Japanese. I, I that's that's just one thing that where the the Japanese um voice actors have done this just amazing thing with with just the way in which they they say certain things and mm. you've got all the memes that follow as well um yeah so uh yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of a mixed it's thing a personal for me, preference but... isn't it yeah I, th- I think as well i i'm i'm a bit on the fence i think with it um yeah. generally speaking i go dubbed and the reason i for me is firstly if it's a live action film i would never do dubbed because for the pure and obvious reason that the the voice doesn't line up with the mouths moving on screen um but the difference right. with animation is that doesn't tend to marry up anyway but regardless of what language it is because it's animated it's not has the the same sort of expressions yeah. uh, on there so they can you can push it put it onto dubs and not feel as out of whack as if, mm-hmm. if it was live action if that makes sense um but i'm i'm similar to you it's one thing i did try and do actually when i was re-watching some of these is whatever i watched first time round, i did the opposite so if i the first time i'd seen this film was in dubbed i purposely did it unsubbed just to see if i got anything else out of it I yeah. do agree with you on some of the Japanese anime. Uh, sorry, the Japanese um, voices over English voices. They're much more animated. They're much more passionate, and they're much more aggressive when the scenes require it to be. Although there are, there have been odd occasions where, um, not odd occasions, but I'd say more so now, where you said with American actors or English act voice actors, they bring that over as well. They bring that over the top, exaggerated voice that that mirrors on screen with what's what, what's happening on screen basically mm. um i remember a recent one is dora hidoro that we watched um yeah. and i'd flick between that uh subbed and dubbed and the passion and the energy is there in both subbed and yeah. dubbed versions yeah. um so i i think it is up to personal preference if the dubbing generally speaking now for uh, english versions seems to be a lot better so I, I lean more towards that but i'm not adverse to to sub in when it needs to be so um cool okay right yeah i think we should probably start our top five i'm ready you're ready okay so firstly i know we've been speaking ahead of this and you were i was kind of dubious as to what i'd pick for my top five 
or my sorry my number five um there are some in my in my top five that have remained there but the positioning has has changed around my number five has been up in the air for the longest time so i've re-watched a lot of older stuff i've watched some new stuff as well that i'd never seen but has always been on this list to of diehard films to anime films to watch so i was in two minds for number five between tokyo godfathers and ninja scroll and what i've gone for is ninja scroll (laughs) so the reason being i think because tokyo godfathers is brilliant it's so good and i really if you haven't seen it i really recommend it and it's actually quite a good film maybe to hold off for the christmas period because i didn't realize it's actually christmas film yeah Um, and it's a really upbeat film there are some dark themes in there um, but generally speaking it's it's an upbeat family film that could be watched with family easily Uh, it is great Uh, the only thing is with ninja scroll is this was one of the first anime I, movies I watched as a as an adult. Yeah. When I was thinking, wow, this has completely passed me by. This whole genre of movies, I was like, what? So I remember, like I said at, at the start, I'd watched Spirited Away, and I was just hungry to watch more Japanese anime animation stuff. Um, and Ninja Scroll was—I remember someone at college had lent me that, along with Ghost in the Shell. Um, and Ninja Scroll is Ninja Scroll is everything I love about sort of over the top samurai <laughs> meets video game. It's probably the best way, although it is called Ninja Scroll and there are ninjas in there, it has that samurai elements in there as well. Um, of these, I think video game is probably the best way to describe it. It reminds me, and I don't know if it reminds you, of something like Metal Gear Solid, which is also obviously Japanese. Mm-hmm where you have the, your main character and along the way there are like essentially bosses <laughs> that have their own sort of niche um, uh, or symbolic representation of yeah. of something. So, for example, in Ninja Scroll, you've got um, one character who can turn himself into rock um, and mm. he's like immune to sort of sword swipes and stuff like that. And you've Snake got, Lady. Yeah, you've got the snake lady, you've got this guy who has like a, a wasp hive on his back. <laughs> like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's massively over the top, but I absolutely love it. Um, and you've got this guy who's got um, basically this like thin wire of electricity that you can wrap around his enemies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think at the age I was when I saw it, it would have been about 18, I think. I just, I just loved it. It was just this over the top... Um, very um violent very um very over the top um and just this mm-hmm. fast pace i mean you're not there for the story let's be honest the story mm-hmm. is very kind of basic it's kind of the revenge story good versus evil <laughs> but it also has this japanese mythology elements running through it which again mythology i, I absolutely love um as well as just as a general thing um but yeah, I think it's just that it's that it's that video game element that drew drew me in. Just like right, that's that's one boss battle down. What's the next one? Um, yeah. And it's always these always these quirky, unique um, characters that they created um, that I that I loved. Um, so so yeah, it was a tough one between uh, picking this 
Um, I, I wouldn't say, like I said, story-wise, it isn't one of the best. Um, but just from a f pure, you know, hour and a half, bloody, aggressive, um, over-the-top, wacky, good time, uh, it's definitely one I'd recommend for, for I, I, I don't know if I would say an entry anime movie. Well, it's... But... Um... It, it's very typically shonen, which is a, a genre of anime, mm. uh, which is exactly what you're explaining there, where you've got the the underdog protagonist mm -hmm. has everything up against him, and then he has to fight all these people, and then get to the boss, beats that one, and then the next one, and then the next one, until he gets to the, to the final. Um, it's very... I, I'm quite surprised you chose it, <laughs> uh, over Tokyo Godfathers but I understand why you've chosen it as well because it is that especially when we were growing up we weren't exposed to anything like this at all no definitely and this is kind of the you know one one of the first of its kind I think if you get an anime uh a typical anime watch or or, or a, an ongoing anime watcher mm -hmm. watch this movie and they've never seen it before They'll watch it and go, yeah, I've seen this before. It, it's mm. not very original, but it is actually original because yeah. it's it's one of the first to do it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you ever watch an anime called Afro Samurai? No, I never did, and I've, I it's again, it's always been on my list of stuff to do. Um, oh, sorry, to watch. Um, yeah. Is it similar to that then, or it is similar? Very, very similar. You got this badass protagonist that you know he even he even shoes women away that are all over him kind of thing but um, right. yeah it's it, it, that in a sense if you watch afro anime uh, samurai sorry you you would watch that and be i've seen i've seen this before kind of thing right. and you've seen it in ninja scroll um but uh yeah good choice i i totally loved it it's just out there it's it's probably one of those Okay, so this is the other side of, of anime stigma, and that is the over-the-top violence, um, the Tarantino kind of stuff. That's, yeah, that's, that's a know. good shout. Tarantino-esque violence, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the blood splatters and, and, you know, and the decapitations and <laughs> and the naked I, ladies. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> Be warned for some, <laughs> some animated nudity. <laughs> which I, i'm not gonna lie it's quite early on in the film and, and it does kind of huh <laughs> it's quite um takes your breath away not yeah. in the good way just more no. like oh Whoa. okay um don't walk in now anyone <laughs> yeah but other than that <laughs> it's not that bad but um yeah i love yeah it was is a real toss-up between that and Tokyo Godfathers. I think I need to sit and watch Tokyo Godfathers more and appreciate it. I've I've sat with Ninja Scroll longer. I think mm -hmm. is why I've bumped it yeah. here, um, and definitely was one of the first ones for me um, that I that got me into it into the art form really. So that's my number five. What is your number five? Oh, I don't know if I can top that now. Um, I have Wolf Children, Ooh, which nice good pick. Yeah. Uh, you you've seen this one before yourself, right? I have, but it's some time since I've seen it. I did want, really want to try and rewatch it ahead of time, um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's not in my top five. So, yeah, go mm. ahead with your well opposite to 
opposite to Ninja Scroll, this one is for the family to watch. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so I, I don't really want to spoil anything because this is, I think going into this list, I wanted to, I strategically picked my five. Obviously, we had rules where we, we don't pick uh, Ghibli movies uh, yeah. for obvious reasons. And um, the other thing as well that I had, put in there was i don't choose movies that have franchises behind it so no pokemon movie no one piece no dragon ball z naruto none none of that um so wolf children as a standalone is about a lady who gets with a guy who's also a wolf (laughs) has children with him and their kids are half breeds they well they can change from human to wolf uh and then, uh, uh, spoilers. Yeah, the the father dies, uh, and so her struggle is to raise these children that can turn into wolf and uh, and, and back to human. Uh, but obviously, if they were to turn into into wolves in front of humans, you know, all sorts of chaos and. Um, well, just just that the world that they live in wouldn't understand that. Uh, yeah. So it's it's about one lady struggle there to to raise these kids that are. And I think, you know, I I don't have kids myself that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I do then appreciate you know what my own parents did, and, and I know you're you're a recent uh, father yourself uh, to yeah. to have kids. So anything that you you watch in here that. Um, kind of uh, portrays um what it's like being a first time parent and then all the struggles that are involved in in it um i i think as well the animation it helps portray that uh the way they t- turn from children to wolves and then back again um yeah it's just a crazy story uh and and the struggle is real you know you watch it and you just think oh hell and how is this lady gonna raise these kids and then how these kids going to fit in at school as well Mm -hmm. and now you started talking about it it is coming back to me now i remember they they were often these these scenarios where the kids are are too young to really know what's going on but they have this ability like you said to switch between yeah uh human to wolf form uh, exactly. uh, sort of at whim it seems and it's the mum's kind of um responsibility as a sole human to try and you know hide them shelter them from uh from them being exposed i guess because there are uh it's i guess they perceive that if they get seen they'll be looked as freaky and wouldn't be able to fit in and it's, it's not normal is it yeah. it's not normal exactly yeah um, I wonder if the reason I was hesitant to watch it is I reckon I would have much more of an emotional attachment now I am a father, <laughs> um, and I don't want to break down um, <laughs> uh, because I think I, I remember enjoying the film. I just remember a lot of people saying, oh, you know, it's absolutely heartbreaking. I didn't at the time I'd seen it have that emotional attachment to it. But since you're now talking about it from the, you know, the parent, the parental uh, perspective, I think you've convinced me to to dig it out and find and and watch that again. And I think I would approach that film differently to to what I did previously. Um, 
but yeah, um, I remember that the animation is great as well. Um, animation is beautiful. Is there a, is there a part where they go up to? A, isn't there a whole thing about a mountain? I don't know if it is Mount Fuji or they they have like this. Um, one of the kids kind of turns into a wolf and sort of becomes part of the mountain, like the the king of the mountain. Or have I made that up? No, you're um, you're you're right. It's the the two kids. You got uh, the daughter Yuki and the son. It's called Ame, and they are pretty much opposite. So Yuki is the, is the older, and she seems to accept her human side a lot more. Um, but uh, and then Ame is the is the the one that you're talking about. He becomes wolf and uh and then he goes up into the in, and, and into the mountains and kind of lives the rest of his life as a, as a wolf it. and is massive spoilers so yeah. <laughs> if you haven't watched it um <laughs> but it, it's interesting to me as well because the the dynamic switches because when when they were kids the daughter is um very freely turning into a wolf you know she doesn't care she's just like yeah. oh i'm a I'm a wolf whenever I want to be. And she's just throwing temper tantrums. And, and then while she's throwing a temper temper tantrum, she's gnawing on the, uh, on the table leg as well at the same time. Hmm. Um, whereas the, the sun is a bit more, I suppose, uh, quiet and unsure about himself and a lot more shyer. And, and uh, he reads storybooks where, or fairy tales where, where wolves are portrayed as, you know the the evil or the or the bad yeah. character you know um but then it the dynamic switches because yuki then becomes um more human or she wants to be more human because she wants to go to school and socialize with friends and then ame wants to be more in touch with his wolf side and lives his more kind of natural life uh but really 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 amazing uh little movie there is beautiful watch it with the family it's great yeah and have some tissues because uh it is it is it is um it is a heartbreaking story um but yeah it's definitely now you've mentioned it i need to get back on to watching that yeah watch um good shout like that mm. uh right i'm gonna go on to my number four now this is one i recommended to you because i believe you hadn't seen before mm-hmm. i've now watched this twice i've only very really watched watched this very recently i watched it in both dubbed and subbed okay. um and this is one where actually either version didn't affect it in either way um it is 1983's barefoot again um so bit of context um this was one that firstly i'd never heard of it before um, I'd got that Sight and Sound magazine, which I mentioned earlier, and this was listed in there. Um, and I very much was going through and just find, so I, I've not heard this one. I wonder where I can find it. Can I can I buy the DVD? No, it's pretty much impossible to find, or Blu-ray, you can't find it anywhere. Um, searched on YouTube of all places, and it's on, and it's on there, both versions, full film. Um, and uh, as you said on the other one, these are there are spoilers. Um, this absolutely took my breath away. Um, early eighties animation, um, so it's not quite. I would say at the peak of where anime gets to. I think 
perhaps it gets to late 80s early 90s is where it just becomes as a more of a worldwide phenomenon um so basically uh i know you've now watched it and we'll come on to what you think of it in the moment um but just a bit of context of what the story is about essentially it follows this young family um as they're living in uh, hiroshima um just before um the impact of the hiroshima bombings during world war ii happens um and then essentially i'm i'm pretty sure and correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure it's 20 minutes in or not long into the film when the when the bomb drops um and that firstly that scene up until that point it's kind of a it's an upbeat you know follows this family two young boys uh living with mum and dad just kind of going through the the beats of childhood and it's all happy dappy and all that stuff and then Hiroshima bomb drops um and that scene there is that short scene I think it's a minute or two minutes long just showing the absolute devastation and even in an, an animated movie it's it's such a hard thing to watch um, you've got people just basically being disintegrated due to the bomb, all of these like horrific images that just happen on screen. And even though that, you know, obviously, you know, it happened in real life, but you're it's seen represented in an animated movie. It's it's really, really, really hard to watch that scene. Um, and that is exactly it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and that is just one of a few scenes in that film that is really hard to watch. And I think it's credit to the animators um, to, to make you feel that way about essentially drawn characters. Yeah. Um, it has does have that thing about that it's obviously mirroring what happened in real life um, to add to that. But for you to feel that way so early on in the film, it's such an impact that I don't think you kind of get over until the end of the film, really. It has that sense of dread the whole way through. There are some some upbeat things along the way. I wouldn't say that the whole film is is completely down, is a downer. Um, but generally speaking, it's 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 about the the innocence from war. Um, I don't think, and I don't know what you thought about this as well, but I don't think it particularly sort of blames either side it's not an anti-american film or an anti-japanese film it's just an anti-war film um it, it just shows the like i said the innocent lives being killed from this devastating thing um it doesn't really go into the war as such it just follows this innocent family that are living their life it doesn't really mention them you know going to war or anything like that they're just trying to carry on with their life and it just happens to be on this day where this the bomb drops, hydrogen bomb drops. And um, it basically follows Gen, who's the title character, trying to be this, the older brother. I, I, I don't remember it says his age. I think he, want, I want to say about 12, something around that age. And he essentially loses his father and tries to become that father figure. He tries to step in, help his mum and younger brother and people along the way. Um, to try and to be that that guy to step up and be the man of the house um i won't say any other more things about it in mm. case people do want to see it because there are it's just i would just recommend really watching it it's on youtube it's an hour and a half long it is a hard watch um yeah but i think 
it's one to watch. I think it's, I'm, I'm glad I've watched, like I said, I've watched it twice now. I don't know why I put myself through it twice. Um, but the subbed and dubbed versions are both fantastic. Um, it's absolutely heartbreaking. But, um, yeah. oh, totally. It, it, it's one of those important moments in history that's been captured in this fantastic anime. And it is fantastic. And I'm, very surprised it didn't make my my top five i only watched it uh last night for the, through your recommendation and i never ever watched this before and i fell in love with the movie um and i wanted to know everything about it so the i don't i, I don't know if you had um gone into it this far but the the creator of the the manga that it's originally from uh is his name's uh, oh, I'm going to butcher these names now. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Kaiji Nakazawa. Kaiji Nakazawa, who, when he was six years old, survived this horrific, crazy event. And then he goes on and and writes um, his account, or he, he draws it, actually. He becomes, an, um, he becomes a, a manga a writer. Uh, when he gets a little bit older. Uh, but as you said, that that bomb scene is such a contrast from the beginning. Now they the, the family are struggling. They're they're not very they're not very rich. They're they're poor. In fact, it's talking about the struggle of just living in wartime anyway. So they're struggling to even find food to eat every day and the mother's pregnant and and um again and his and his younger brother, you know, they go and and steal food to just feed their their own mother. So it, it, it's so very typically Japanese as well. Where it, it puts you in this um, false sense of security of where okay, there's a little bit of hardship, but they're all getting along, and you know, it's all happy go lucky. And these two boys have gone and find found food for their pregnant mom, and and then this, I don't know, it, it just just being a well, you know yourself from watching. Uh, anime movies you just have this sense of dread of something horrific is about to happen yeah. and going to have and and really bad is going to happen to this particular family um so when that bomb scene comes as well now this like you were saying it's it's a very hard watch but the way in which they animated it was super powerful i don't know if you found that 100 sound point the sound went, the palette changes, the palette colors just become distorted. And then you've got the, the slow motion. And then, well, there's, there's one scene in that scene where it just focuses on this one little girl oh. and you don't know who it is. You, you haven't had any pre-context to it, to her, sorry. Um, and you just, you just watch her, unfortunately just get eviscerated by this bomb. And like I said, no context, no um, introduction to her as a character, but there's just that one scene of a little girl yeah. getting destroyed by it. It's just it's so tough to watch. And I can't believe I'm saying that for an animated film, but you yeah. just, you can't help but then picture the, you know, the real life scenario that this would have happened to. Um, and that just makes it even more harrowing um, yeah, that, that it happened. It's interesting you say that because... Um... So, for example, did you did you notice as well the way they they had the uh, the 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 Japanese people walking like zombies? Yeah. Um, and the reason 
that they're like that it's not just an artistic direction it's actually how these people would have walked because their skin um their skin would have been dripping off their body and this is what they used to call uh i think something like they're turning into ghosts or turning into ghouls so they'd be walking out with their arms in front of them like zombies just so the skin hanging off their bodies wouldn't wouldn't stick onto them it's it's insane it's crazy it's just oh the thing is as well it's like i think i think going into this i knew this was going to happen because i'd read the kind of blurb of the film um but even though that happens i (laughs) it's not the only devastating thing that happens in this film there are a couple and it's not like oh okay it's that happens and that's kind of it. it it doesn't let up the dread just hangs there the whole way through through and i think it's not until the war towards the end where it starts to get a bit more upbeat mm. um and you know things start to get better and they can you know carry on with their lives and again you know proves himself to be kind of the man of the house and steps up as a as a as a guy to to kind of lead the family in place of his of his father but yeah. um i didn't realize there's actually a sequel which i haven't watched um which i think just follows the family again i don't think it obviously has it has that um the bomb i think it's just the impact of the bomb uh further and further into the future but um yeah i, I haven't like got you around said, to it, watching that but yeah but like you like you said there it, in a way even even that's quite terrifying as well to you know how how does this person then live after all this has happened you know because you've mm. got the um they they showed the black rain uh yeah so it's there's things afterwards you know like i was talking about the 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 people that have survived but their skin has melted off their body um there's there was one really uh really powerful moment a really dreadful moment i i should say really because Mm. um there's there's a moment where there's a group of survivors and they're all dying and they're all pleading for water and gen and his mother go and find water and then give it to them and then they start to die and the reason i don't know if um if you remember this it was explained in there the reason they died was because the only thing that was keeping them alive was their thirst for water and then as soon as they had that as soon as that was fulfilled that's it it just taps out yeah which is crazy (laughs) But exactly. I, I oh. don't. To be honest, I don't think I got that from the from the first watch. Um, but there are. It's just. It's just layer upon layer of horrible scene, and all you can Ooh. see is this again. This young guy, uh, you know, twelve year old kid who's just trying to write. I, w- I want to help. I really want to help everyone out. I want to help my pregnant mom. I want to help my um, family out. And he's he's trying to do everything he can. But there are powers that be, you know, uh, around him, like just the after effects of the bomb like you said that the the acidic rain that comes down yeah um that he can't control but he still is not he's still motivated to try and do the best he can and that's such a yeah. quite an inspiring inspiring character actually and in the face of such adversity he's still just stepping up and doesn't give up which is yeah i think it's i think it's easily one of the best animes for me and if not one of the best films i've seen in a very long time that dealt with such a, a big uh, impactful story. 
Very good. Uh, so that was my number four. What is your number four? My number four. My number four. Um, now, it, it was, it's actually quite interesting as well because that could have made my list. Um, and I think looking back now and after talking about it so much, it should have made my list. Uh, <laughs> right. Not my, my number four is Perfect Blue. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. And uh, this is, I suppose, considered J-horror or Japanese horror. Uh, just an absolute crazy psychological thriller um that you're gonna come across um is it did this one make your list it did i'll say where in a moment when you uh, okay. do your spiel and then we'll, we'll talk <laughs> <laughs> okay um now this was this was a rewatch for me because i i hadn't seen this for for a long time and i actually surprised myself to this coming into the list um it follows a uh, a young girl that's aspiring to be famous um so she you see her start off in a in a girl group um where she's considered in japan an idol um and we'll talk about that in a second what an idol is <laughs> that might make a few people feel uncomfortable but yeah uh, it, it is what it is i suppose it's just japan yeah um, <laughs> just good old crazy japan <laughs> yeah uh, um so is this this girl she wants to become more than just a pop idol or, or in her girl group she leaves the girl group to become an actress which is the next step but what she is encountering is the hardships of being someone famous and that's in the form of a stalker so this stalker is I suppose upset that she ha is changing what she what what he loved about her, um, and this comes through um, a fan mail, threatening fan fan mail, um, being on set to to, to when she is um, do filming her scenes, um, but then there's the other side of it where she herself is selling out to become um this this famous actress so she will do nude photo shoots or she will put herself in um she'll put herself in, in these really horrible sex scenes or, or rape scenes in in a in a tv show in particular and um then it becomes this thing where the stalker as well has created this website um where he is pretending to be her in in some sort of blog um and she at first is all happy about it and she's like oh this is funny you know I'm, I'm, someone's pretending to be me and you know yeah i do like buying that brand of milk and i do step off the train with my left foot and i do wear these clothes in this certain way and it becomes a bit too much and um yeah just a big psychological mess uh i'm uh, do we talk about the ending i, I mm. 
Yeah, of course we can. It's, yeah. Spoilers, yeah. spoiler warning. Spoiler, spoiler warning. Um so this uh I, I do you know what the first time I watched this as well, I I think I called it from the beginning because um her manager, Rumi, I think her name mm-hmm. is is it Rumi? So, yeah, yeah, Rumi. Um she looks at uh looks at her who what's her name? Mimi. Mm-hmm. Mimi, yeah, the main character's name is Mimi. Um she looks at Mimi and she sees herself uh, in her. So she wants to live vicariously through her. So when she's, when Mimi's starting to make these decisions of, um, you know, doing these raunchy photo shoots and, and doing the sex scenes uh, in, the, in the film, she's getting upset because that's not what Rumi wants. Rumi wants her to, to, to be someone else and Rumi wants her to be what actually she herself wanted to be when she was younger uh, and aspiring to be an idol herself um and uh yeah I mean what did you think about it when you were right so this is my number two whoa yeah this is my number two um so another film I, I I think I'd heard briefly of and I'll explain how I heard it in a moment. Okay. Um, but again, from the Sight and Sound magazine, it was listed there. I was like, right, I need to. I actually bought the Blu-ray for this, um, and I had never seen it before. Um, it absolutely blew me away. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one. It's an absolute masterpiece. Um, I know we've talked about briefly Satoshi Kon's um, other movie, Tokyo Godfathers, yeah. um, and I've been trying to. I know he died relatively young. I think in his early 40s um, so he didn't actually do that many films but the films he's done or that i've seen i think he's only done about four or five um they're just they're all fantastic and i recommend anyone to see them so that's tokyo godfathers uh paprika which didn't mm-hmm. make my list um but is is incredible and i, I referenced that in another episode as um being um, an inspiration for inception as well oh really yeah so um if it's um just quickly on paprika then it's it's his main focus is on dreams it's not to the it's a it's massively more over the top and extravagant you know being an anime yeah. and what it, what it shows is representations of dreams um the idea of being able to, to have a machine that goes into people's dreams for various reasons um was the inspiration by behind inception and there are a few scenes as well that kind of they use it as well so there's like a corridor scene you know the famous one in inception where they're, they're rotating um, as the van in the background is 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 falling off that bridge, um, the the way it's shot is inspired by Paprika, um, which is another great film. Um, but Perfect Blue, um, for me, is his absolute best. Um, like I said, first time I'd seen it, it is also a tough watch. Like you said, for an anime, it's a very the the murder scenes are absolutely brutal especially the one with the screwdriver um mm-hmm. when he's attacking that i think it's the photographer um that he's attacking um it's absolutely brutal I, I think you hit the nail on the head i think the film really is a critique on celebrity um and how damaging it can be for the celebrity and also you know these the, the stalkers and how how something like a changing career uh, so like you said she starts off as a 
as a pop idol um, and then become wants to go into acting. And this seems to set off the stalker um, in a way. He's, he's always seen her as his pop idol. And the fact she wants to do other things and do these raunchy photo shoots and stuff like that is, is upsetting the stalker as if he kind of knows what he acts as if he knows what he knows her. He knows her ins and outs and when she does something that he yeah. he thinks is weird and different to what he assumes she thinks he's like you're not the real person and kind of takes offense to it and that's when the whole um attacks start coming in the the fan mail where they're sending these like small it's like a, it's not a bomb quite is it it's like a it's like a small explosion where that that character gets sort of cut up and damaged yeah. from it um but what I was reading more into this afterwards, and it's really I found out this really sort of um, almost art imitating life or vice versa around the same time. There was this uh, guy called Ricardo Lopez who was stalking Bjork, and it was around the same time that this was being filmed. Or I don't know what came first exactly. I don't know if the film came first or or this or the events came first. Um, but it was a similar thing where he was a massive Bjork fan um, and, and something happened. I think um, she'd fallen out in love with this other guy and he was getting, you know, really upset by it. And he went through this whole thing about he'd actually um, bought some hydrochloric acid and was going to get that posted to Bjork. And, uh, you know, and it's just Jesus. scary how it was pretty much along the same lines as this film. Um, I don't know if it, like I said, it was an inspiration, but it was it was scarily around the same time as this was released. So this was released in sort of ninety seven, late late nineties. I don't know what it was released in the in the US or the UK, but um, certainly the late nineties. And it's just quite. It seems to be intrinsically linked to this because they're so close to what actually happens in the in the film to what actually nearly happened in in real life. That's crazy. That's, what I know about this is that it's. It's from a book, so it was it was a book originally. Um, yeah, so it was, but I I don't know if the full plot is the same. So I did read no. that as well that there's a it's called Perfect Blue or Blue something else. Yeah, um, and I don't know if Satoshi Kon sort of took elements of it and and tweaked it to a, like a more modern thing. I don't know. I ha I haven't I haven't read it, um, but I just thought it was it was strangely coincidental that those things happened around the same time. <laughs> um, it's scary, if anything. Um, uh, the other, the, the, the quickly, the, the thing that sort of made me hear about it first was um, uh, the direct, the other director, uh, Darren Aronofsky, had bought the rights to this film. Um, I don't know when, but obviously after the film was released. Um, and now watching this film after some of the Darren Aronofsky's films, you realise how much this inspired him to do some films. So I don't know if you've seen Black Swan. Yes. Yeah. So now yeah. seeing Perfect Blue, you go, oh, I can see how he's pretty mm -hmm. much taken a lot of aspects from this film and put them into Black Swan. The whole, uh, you know, characters that look very similar um, and it's all about obsessive culture, um, celebrity um, and all these things that, that, um, that, that feed in from Perfect Blue. And there's also, I don't know if you've seen Requiem for a Dream, it's been years since I've seen it, but there's one, he's actually bought the rights just to represent this one shot. So there's this shot where in Perfect Blue, in the anime, she's in the bath and 
certain events are starting to sort of get to her and she's her face is underwater and she just screams underwater it's only a brief scene um but they've they've used that exact same kind of even the way it's shot in requiem for a dream the exact same thing her face is underwater she just screams so it wasn't until i was watching perfect girl i was like wow this is this was obviously a massive inspiration just for this one director um so you can see it's how it's had such an impact on other filmmakers and other movies um and again it's only a relatively short film i think it's under hour and a half but i remember it uh, i put I, I made some notes it sort of starts off quite slow but it, it does this slow build towards this kind of tragic end um where you know these stalkers are essentially or fans super fans are, are taking this change in this this character's celebrity to offense and to taking it to the extreme and essentially willing to to kill for this for that yeah that's well that's fandom exactly and and that that seems to be um it, it it seems to be highlighted more in japan i don't know maybe that could be just the way it's portrayed here in the west about um obsessive fandom over there they call them otakus uh where they are just so obsessed with um with something with anime for example with computer games and um and it, and it becomes it takes over their life you know you you see a moment in the um, well you see a few moments actually in the in the stalkers uh apartment and he's just got pictures of mimi yeah. everywhere 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 um and <laughs> there are people like that in real life um the, 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 I, I the only thing i do know about this movie was that it was loosely based on a serial killer that was attacking uh otaku girls um oh, right so he was attacking obsessed fans female fans um but uh i don't know too much about that so i'm not gonna go into it but it, <laughs> it's it's um yeah it's 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 crazy it's it's an it's a it's a different world and you can almost just with the main character of Mimi as well, you can you can put a um, a, a bit of a um, familiarity with uh, pop stars like Britney Spears and mm. uh, Christina Aguilera as well, particularly for us when we were growing up and they were you know the big names and what they were. Um, I wouldn't say I don't know if they were forced into it, but they were pressured into into doing certain things. Mm. as well and it kind of caused a little bit of a demise in their own kind of in their own lives yeah uh, exactly and on, on that it's it's very much the pressures of celebrity as well so not just from the yeah. fandom side it's for the celebrity themselves where you know they they are constantly harassed by people and they're you know they have to keep up this this image which actually might not represent what they are as a person mm. um so i remember there's scenes where near the start where it cuts between her on stage and all these fans sort of cheering her and obsessed with her um, at this, um, this show. And then it cuts to her doing this mundane life outside of that, you know, going to the shops and waiting for trains and stuff like that, where that's the real person. And she goes home and it's this, you know, that's where the, that's the place where she can be herself. But outside of there, she's got this image that she has to maintain that perhaps she doesn't like. And I think that's what becomes why she wants to become an actress. She wants to, do something different and be looked at 
and perceived in a different way. And obviously that's what's upset the stalker in this particular film. But I think even now, so like I said, it came out in the late nineties. I think it's more prevalent or just as prevalent now uh, in the modern world with social media and all these extra pressures that celebrity have to to have this, I was going to say facade, but it is kind of a facade. It's this front that they have to look and feel happy and upbeat all the time. When actually there is this side that behind closed doors of anyone, um, they can be, you know, just normal people. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I think it's one of those things as well where they are people, celebrities, um, private lives are more exposed now because of social media, because Mm. of the internet. Um, and this kind of thing has been more and more exposed to the general public. So we know about these, th- this other side of being a celebrity. We know about these things. So when, when I watched that movie again um, more recently, it, it did hit home more. I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's yes, that's it. that is actually what it's like. And, and, uh, and we see it. Um, so yeah, fantastic watch. Uh, it is masterpiece. Um, yeah, there were certain things in the uh, in the story that can be a little bit confusing as well. I think towards the end, just knowing, okay, how how was this um, how was this then done in real life? Because a lot of it is mental imagery or, or what's going yeah. through Mimi's head. Uh, but then when you when the when the reveal is is given then there were a few things where i couldn't quite connect the dots okay so how would that have actually happened or what actually happened in that scene um mm. but to be honest with you i kind of look past that and yeah it does I, I, would, that. I would agree towards the end it be, kind of becomes this this other thing it doesn't you know halfway through you know oh, i was seeing this this actress is going through these um, it, 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 I thought it was just, just going to be a generic kind of horror mm. murder mystery thing but then it comes this whole identity thing, identity crisis essentially that she's all this pressure is actually changing her mentally you know, you know is, did I do that or she wakes up in different it seems to be one scene that happens and then she wakes up in her bed and is that so was that a dream or did that actually happen <laughs> all these things that you that the character's asking you're also asking and, and you kind of you're on this kind of journey with her as to what is real and what isn't real that's essentially what yeah. towards the end is about and then they're mixing in with these other characters who also feel that they are um the celebrity yeah. uh, and the stalker element of that as well all of these things um come to fruition towards the end and i don't know if you remember the the very end um it cuts to her uh mimi in the car and it says, I am, this is the real me or something along those right mm. lines. And I wondered if I took that literal at first, saying, oh, okay, it is her. But I, I wonder if it is. You just don't know who's who um, by the end because you've got, uh, was it Rumi that you said is the the, the, the stalker? Yeah. Yeah. And you see her in there. And I, part of me was thinking, I wonder if that's actually her or switched around. It's so, I would say, I would say, I don't think it's confusing, but it is a bit of a, brain ache as to trying to figure out who's going what but it doesn't it does it's not a detriment to the film no uh, no anything no. it's it's films i can appreciate are films that leave you uh, you know once the credits are rolling um questions that you can think about if anything 
make you want to watch it again to try and put those pieces together. Um, it didn't make, it wasn't something like um, Tenet, which I watched recently, where it's just so <laughs> confusing. It's like, I, I don't even want to go back to it. But with this, it's like, it's just the right, right amount, I guess, of complexity where um, it's not completely putting you off the film, but it's giving you a bit of things to think about to, to, to look at it in a different way, perhaps a second time around. That's the end of part one. Join us again for part two, where we discuss the rest of our top five favourite anime movies. Thanks for listening.